We continue our sermon series this morning, God's Story, Our Story, by looking at the very first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. As we've been journeying for the last year through the Word of God, we have been looking each week that ultimately all the stories of the Bible point to one grand story. That all of the stories of the Old Testament point forward to the story of stories that we celebrate this season. That God comes into the world, Emmanuel, God to be with us so that we know that God is now not against us, but he's for us. And this morning we begin our journey through the New Testament by looking at the first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll look at the beginning of the Jesus story as it's found in Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 and then skipping down to verses 16 through 18. As you're reading some of these verses this morning, I pray that it would speak to you that all of the promises of the Old Testament come true in the person of Jesus Christ, that all of the stories and all of the things that we have been reading about in the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi are now finding their fulfillment in the one who has come, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ like watching a fireworks display on the 4th of July. It is the Gospel of Matthew. As you read about Abraham and David and eventually the birth of Jesus Christ, this is like the grand finale. You should be able to say, this is it. The one we've been longing for, the one we've been waiting for, finally is here. Jesus, the Messiah. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6 followed by verses 16 through 18. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Amonadab, and Amonadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Skip down to verse 16. And Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And on this first Sunday of Advent, the grass withers and the flower continues to fade. But the word of our Lord, no, the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. Every single person here this morning and everybody watching at home has a story. The only question is, where are you in that story For some of you, you are young, and the story of your life 
lies ahead. And but for some that are young, you are full of grief that what if my story doesn't pan out as promised or as planned? For some of you, you're a teenager and you're thinking about the rest of your life and the rest of your story full of grief and full of anxiety, hoping that your story will unfold as planned and as dreamed and as desires. But for some, you're older in life and you're looking back at the story of your life And for some of you here today and some of you watching at home, your life and your story is full of lament and grief because at one point you too were young and you were the one that said, I will never let this happen to my life. And you can't believe that your story has unfolded the way it has. And you sit here today full of lament and full of regret cannot comprehend that your story has unfolded the way it has. But the reality is, whether you're young or old, we all desire a story that is great. We have grandiose ideas of how our story will unfold or how it should have unfolded. But the good news of Advent and the good news of Christmas this morning That the story of Jesus, particularly the story that we just read, and the story that we celebrate today and all throughout this Advent season announces the good news that whether you're young or old, that the story of Jesus can be your story. That regardless of how your story has unfolded or continues to unfold, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus' story can be your story, maybe even your story for the first time today. What can we learn about the Jesus story as it unfolds here in Matthew chapter 1? The first thing briefly I want you to see about the Jesus story is it is based on historical fact. Now you might read a genealogy as it's found in Matthew chapter 1 and simply gloss over the names and say, Matthew, get to the good stuff. I mean, these names mean nothing to me, right? I remember Abraham and Tamar and Perez. I barely remember Rahab, but I mean, move on. No, that's the whole point. Matthew wants to announce that the Jesus story does not begin in a galaxy far, far away. You see, the Jesus story at Christmas is not another fable. It is not another fairy tale. The reason Matthew includes real historical figures is because he wants to announce to the world that this Jesus that came as king, that the king and the Messiah who has come to save sinners is not just another fairy tale or fable, but it is based on real historical fact. It's Matthew's way of saying, if you've always questioned the historicity and the reality of Jesus, go check it out for yourself. You could trace it back to Abraham. You could trace it back to all of these real historical figures. And that's good news for you and me this morning. Because the last thing you and I need is another fable or another fairy tale. The one thing you need and the one thing you must bank on is that this Jesus that came into the world 2,000 years ago was real 
and he was historical. This was a real person that came into the world 2,000 years ago to be crowned as the coming Messiah as the anointed one. And so we can celebrate this morning on the first Sunday of Advent that the Jesus story is based on historical fact, not another fairy tale, not another fable, but a real man who came into the world, very God and very man, fully God and fully man who really came into the world 2000 years ago. The Jesus story by announcement of this genealogy announces to you and me this morning that it is based on historical fact. But not only is this story real and based on historical fact, the second thing I want to point out in this Jesus story is it's absolutely shocking. If you notice some of the names that I read off, and if you go back and read the full genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, you should be absolutely shocked at some of the names that are included. Why is it shocking? Well, a genealogy in the ancient Near East was a resume. It was a resume to prove your worth as the king. And see, around the time of Jesus, there were hundreds of men that were coming into the world claiming to be the Messiah claiming to be the royal king that had come into the world to save the people from their sins. And so what they would do is they would look back at their genealogy and the genealogy would speak to their worth. They would, it would speak to their credibility. And so if you wanted to prove that you truly were the king that was promised, you would simply point to the genealogy. But the problem is this genealogy, according to worldly standards doesn't make sense. In fact, it's shocking. If you were to prove your worth and your credibility, you would never include the names that Matthew includes. The first thing that should be shocking to us is that Matthew uses women. No offense, ladies. But in the ancient Near East in the first century, a woman had no rights, no credibility, her testimony was not used or would not be held up in a court of law. They had no land rights. They had no credibility in the first century. And here Matthew includes women. Women in a royal genealogy attempting to prove the worth and the credibility that Jesus is who he says he is. And there he goes naming women. He uses Tamar. Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and eventually the very mother of Jesus. I can understand including David and Abraham, the great patriarchs of the faith, but he includes women. But Matthew goes a step further. Not only are they women, but you look at the names like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth, they're all Gentiles. He uses racial outsiders and he includes them in the family of God. We are told that Gentiles are God-forsaken people. And here Matthew has the audacity to include them in the family of God. People that were once on the outside, now included on the inside. And so he uses women. He uses Gentiles. But to make matters worse, he uses the immoral. Think about these women that he used. Tamar, who sells herself as a prostitute to Judah. Ew. 
Think of Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute who helps the spies, and even Bathsheba, who Matthew won't even call by name, the wife of Uriah who commits adultery with David. All of these women with a scandalous immoral past, and they're all included in the family of God, all used in this royal line, this royal genealogy. Why? To show and to announce to the world that all those that were once considered on the outside are now included on the inside. You see, the good news and the shocking nature of Christmas is that this king, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, did not come for those that were always included on the inside, but Jesus the Christ came for those that were always included on the outside. And the good news for you this morning, if you've always wondered, would God ever accept me? Would God ever be for me? Would God ever include me? The answer is a resounding yes that Advent announces that Jesus came into the world. And it's shocking that he came into the world for sinners like you and like me. The story is real. The story of Jesus is shocking. But the greatest news this morning is that this story, the Jesus story, can be your story. And it's because this story not only has an incredible beginning, but the last thing I want to point out this morning is that this Jesus story has an incredible ending. You see, the story begins here in Matthew chapter 1 with Jesus coming into the world But if you fast forward the Jesus story to the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, we read that this child was born to die. And this child that was born to die dies for sinners like you and like me. You see, this story not only has an incredible beginning, but it has an incredible ending. And the greatest news you can receive this Christmas is that all those that are found in Jesus, that this incredible ending of Jesus' life, that that ending can be the ending of your story as well. That the end of Jesus' life can be the story of the end of your life. And that is great news this morning because there are some here today and others watching at home that have spent your entire life trying to gloss up and fix your story. And we spend hours and days and money and energy trying to fix and clean up our story. We do it on social media. We try to fix up the story of our life and our home and our career and our yards and our golf game and our career and our bank accounts, our bodies and our images to no avail. And the news of Christmas this morning and throughout this Advent season is that you don't have to fix the story of your life, that Jesus came to fix it for you. And that the beginning of the Jesus story and the end of the Jesus story, when merged together with your story, can transform your life now and forever. This Jesus that came into the world 2,000 years ago offers himself freely to you. 
today. Here's the promise that God did not send Jesus, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. This is the promise that whoever receives Jesus, the Messiah, God gives them the right to be called a child of God. This Christmas for you can be the greatest Christmas because the Jesus story can become your story. And regardless of what your story has been, the story of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection can utterly transform your life and your story forever if you simply receive him this morning. He's offered himself to you at no cost, simply the cost of his death on the cross for sinners and outsiders like you and like me. Betsy was in a nursing home outside of Chicago. Her mind was slowly starting to deteriorate. Betsy was a Christian, and every Wednesday afternoon, she would gather in a, a small group of women, a, a, a circle of women, and they would read God's Word together. And every Wednesday afternoon, they would end by taking turns by reciting a hymn from memory, typically a hymn that they grew up with. Well, this Wednesday afternoon in particular, it was Betsy's turn. And the hymn that came to mind for her was The Old Rugged Cross. And she began to recite The Old Rugged Cross, and she tried to do her best from memory, and she began to sing, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And when she got to that line, she stopped, and she began to weep, and she began to say, It's, it's too hard. It's too sad, the emblem of suffering and shame. And she would try again on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And once again, she broke down in tears and said, no, it's just, it's just too hard. It's just far too sad. And so the nurse's aide took Betsy back to her room. And with tears streaming down her face, she once again begins to sing the hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and the nurse's aide thought she would stop there again, but she continued with tears coming down her face. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies one day I lay down and I will cling, I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it one day for a crown. Somewhere in that mind of Betsy that was slowly slipping away, she was able to remember not the beginning of the story, a story marked by suffering and shame, but she was able to remember the end of the story as well. And the news, good news for you this morning, for all those that are in Christ, your story at one point might be marked by suffering and shame, but the good news for all those that are found in Jesus Christ today is that your story doesn't have to end with suffering and shame, but it can end with the promise of a crown because of that old rugged cross. 
He offers himself freely to all those that will receive him by faith alone. This is the good news of Christmas and the good news for all those that place their faith and trust in Jesus. Your life and your story, no longer marked by suffering and shame, by marked by the good news of the old rugged cross that one day you will exchange the trophies of this world and exchange it for a crown. He comes, he comes, brothers and sisters, to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We can honestly say today, because of Christ, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Amen.